The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. I don't know about you, but when you go away from a place, you come back and you realize just how much you missed it. I'm thankful that I missed this place. It would have been bad if I went away and didn't miss it. I missed you all. I missed this environment. I miss the energy that's in this place. Man, I, I'm going to tell you, people around the world, on the other side of the world, they don't worship like you and I do. And it's okay, because the same Holy Spirit that is in this place was in the church that I was in last Sunday. And guys, I just want to tell you something. There's something special about the way God allows us to worship, though. Amen? You guys are phenomenal. That worship team that leads you, you guys do not know how gifted and how fortunate we are that we get to worship with them. Andy and his team is phenomenal, second to none. I'll put them on any stage, anywhere, leading a group of Christ followers in worship of Jesus. Andy, thank you for how you lead us. Guys, I just want to say... Um, as we start off here, Pastor Brent, if you were here last week, I've listened to the message twice now. I got saved during the first time. I just wanted to listen to it for myself the second time. Pastor Brent laid the foundation for this series in a phenomenal way. If you were here last week in person, you were blessed to be able to hear that. He laid the foundation in a perfect way, setting the stage for this series that is going to be paramount in the future, not only of our church, not only in the future of our community, but I want to say paramount in the future of your walk with Jesus. Some of us in here have been lied to, and we have been lying to ourselves, and we have bought into the lie. I just want to say this morning, in week two of this series called The Blessed Life, guys, the Christian life, this Christian walk, those of us who have surrendered our life to Jesus, man, this Christian life is a difficult lifestyle to choose. It's hard. I don't know if you've been lied to by those of us on this stage, and if you have, I apologize, because the Christian life is difficult. Guys, there's something fruitful, there's something joyous, there's something beautiful about the Christian life, but I can tell you today that it's not an easy life to choose. I want to say that the Christian life this morning, man, this is a journey that we're on. The Christian life is not just a one and done kind of thing. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not something that you take off and and put on. But please hear me say that the Christian life, this journey that many of us in this room are on today, man, it is difficult. There are ups and downs. There's highs and lows. There's a lot of twists and turns. There's a lot of heartache. There's probably a lot of tears. I hope that there are some joyous times. But it's a difficult lifestyle. In this series that Pastor Brent kicked off last week, called The Blessed Life, with the underlying objective that is going to take us all the way to Christmas, the objective of this series is to get you, Christ follower, to spend less money and to give more of it away. That's a difficult thing to do. But over these next several weeks, as we continue to teach from the Word of God about what it says about your finances, about your giving, about your generosity, guys, we're going to teach this unapologetically. 
Because I just want you to know that what we lay out here until Christmas is truth, and it is also what God expects from us. And even greater than that, it is what God deserves from us. And in this journey, I can tell you that there are not many Christ followers who ever get to this point in their life where they have sold out and are willing to obey and willing to give God what he expects and to give to God what he deserves. Very few Christians ever make it to this leg of the journey. Later on this morning, I want to just share. Can you imagine what a movement of God could look like and do if there were literally thousands of Christ followers so sold out to him that we didn't even hesitate to give him what he deserves and what he expects. But we actually went above and beyond and gave just like God gave to us. And so this morning, the Holy Spirit is already moving in this place. Some of you who are the first-time guests with us today, I am so thankful that you're here. And I am so thankful that you chose to come to Connection Church, yes, during a giving series. Because if we can grasp this, the rest is just glory. And so God, I just thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for the privilege of being in the greatest place in the world right now. God, I know that this world is a big place, but I know that your presence, and I know that your son Jesus, I know your Holy Spirit is even bigger. And so, Lord, will you say things to your people today over just these next few minutes that no human words could ever express to them? And God, as we're a pretty touchy subject, God, I pray that you will do the ministering. Because God, we cannot argue with you. We can't argue with you, but we will always lose. Because you are gracious and you are a gentleman. Jesus, thank you for being our Savior. We worship you with everything that we have here this morning. And it's in your beautiful name we pray these things. Amen. I think we need to start off with a phenomenal question. I think it's a phenomenal question that most of us in here probably can answer. If not, hopefully by the end of our time this morning, we'll be able to answer. But the question is this. When it comes to our giving, when it comes to our generosity, when it comes to our finances, hey, listen, I understand. I've been walking this journey for about 14, 15 years I just got serious not too long ago in this journey. Well, you're a pastor, Scott. You're so, listen, I've just gotten really serious, and God started to reveal truth through the Holy Spirit to me just a couple of years ago. And so I understand it's so easy to give God your life. Like, that's one of the easiest things to give Him, but I'm just not going to give you my wallet, right? That's one of those things. But I think that we need to be able to answer this question this morning when it comes to all of that stuff, your finances and your giving and your generosity. 
What does God deserve? What does he deserve? What does God expect when it comes to your money? I think that's a great question. The writer of Proverbs puts it this way. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, he says this. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Scott, I'm not wealthy. Yes, you are. You get on a plane and go halfway around the world, you'll see how wealthy you are. I was in a gentleman's house this past week in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and he told me that the house that I was sitting in, which was simply one room, he said it cost about $1,000 U.S. to build his house. He goes to work, and he works for a week, and he makes $10 a week. So you do, here in this beautiful country that you live in, you have great wealth. You see, we've just bought into the lie that the blessed life only comes with the things that we get. The blessed life is all based around what we receive. You see, that's a lie, and we've bought into it. Because the blessed life has nothing to do with what we receive. But the blessed life has everything to do with what we give out. You see, that's just flipped right on its head. I've realized in the United States that we are some great consumers. And most of us sit in depressed states because we don't have as much as the guy beside of us. And that may be you sitting here today desiring this blessed life The only thing that you need to be able to hear me say this morning is if you want to change your life in Jesus Christ, you need to start giving more. And I'm not just talking about when that offering plate goes by. You see, we need to flip our mindset from receiving to giving and just watch how your life truly turns into a blessed life. You see, the writer of Proverbs goes on, he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. That's a big word for us here this morning. With the first fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You see, according to this scripture and so many other scriptures, What it says to me in answering our question of what God deserves and what God expects is God deserves and expects our very best. That word first fruits, if you go back into the Hebrew language, what it is actually saying is that God deserves your chief, your very best. He deserves the greatest portion that you have. That's what God expects, and that's what he deserves. Think of it on this way, on my level. If you're going to a steakhouse to order a piece of beef from the cow, what portion of that cow do you want? You want the filet. You want the best that that beef or cow has to offer. And you see, that's what God expects and deserves from you and I. He deserves our first. 
And as I said a few minutes ago, there are very few Christians who ever get to this part on their journey with Jesus. You see, we've bought into consumerism, and it's about receiving. And God, if I have anything left over, especially now at Christmas time, God, I'll give you what's left over. But Scripture is so clear that God deserves and expects our very first and our very best. You see, I think there's something special. I think there's something very sweet and beautiful when it comes to our firsts. Think about some of those firsts in your life. I hope some of them are popping into your head right now. There's just something extra special about the firsts. I mean, I remember my first car. It was a 1990 Mustang LX five-speed gray Mustang, man. It was awesome. Sort of dated myself there, didn't I? 1990. I remember it like it was yesterday, getting my first car. I remember my first date in that car. I remember the girl's name. Her name was Karen. I remember taking her to Winston to the go-kart track. And I want to tell you, in that Mustang, that first car on that first day, Karen was smoking, literally smoking Marlboro menthols. <laughs> and it was the last date that we had. But I'll never forget the first. I remember my first kiss. This place no longer exists, but it was at Ledford Middle School in the greenhouse there. Some of you old schoolers remember that. I've told this story before, but it's worth telling. Chris Lyon, I hope she listens to this. It's great. It's one of my wife's good friends. But her name's Chris, and, and she wanted to kiss me in the greenhouse, and, and she leaned into me, and I turned my cheek sort of like I would when my grandmother wants to kiss me. But that was my first kiss. There's something special about the firsts. I remember our honeymoon night, and I remember the... I'll just leave that one there. But I remember... I remember... My first child. I remember when the doctor said my first daughter was coming into this world. There's just something special about the first. And I don't know how you think of the firsts, but in Scripture, if you ever do any studying in Scripture, you see that there is something monumental about the firsts. I mean, you look at Abraham and Isaac, it's a familiar story for most of us here that God said to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your first son. And at the time, it was his only son. And he said, I want you to give me your first son. And Abraham had no problem. Actually, God provided and he didn't have to go through it. But Abraham was willing to give God his very best. Back in the very beginning, Adam and Eve had two sons. And there was a guy, one of their sons by the name of Abel, and he was just basically a farmer, and he gave God a very acceptable gift. It was the first fruits of his labor. He gave his very best to God. And a little later, we'll look at this one a little further. But the God that we serve and the Savior that we worship here this morning was given to us by God. God gave us his only son. He gave us his best. 
to save humanity. Because there's just something very special about the first. And as I said already twice this morning, there are very few Christ followers who ever get to this part of the journey. Who of the first of the month, they say, God, I'm going to set aside in my finances the very best that I can give you. God, I'm going to set aside the first because the rest of the month I'm going to be spending on me. God, I'm going to give you my first fruit, my very best, and I'm going to do it before I go and do anything else. Very few Christ followers ever get to that place on the journey. There's a story in the Old Testament that I'm sure I've preached a couple of times at this place. It's a story of Jericho. Many of you have heard of that story. This is pretty interesting. There's a map that's going to come on the screen. I was just in Jericho just a less than a month ago. If you look at the Dead Sea, just to the north is a city called Jericho. Here's the thing, guys. It is a real place. It's a real place that still exists to this day. And in the book of Joshua that we're going to be looking at here this morning, it was written around 1390 B.C. This place is a very old city, but it still exists today. And so many of us have heard this story taught about Jericho, and Jericho is famous for what? It's walls. Something that we need to see here this morning about the city of Jericho is we've got to understand that Jericho was the first city that the Israelites took or defeated on their journey to the promised land. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 if you have a Bible. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Let's see if we can answer this question this morning before we go any further. God deserves our very best. God deserves and expects our first. And I don't need any answers out loud this morning. And I understand that not every single person in this room is there today. As I said, that this thing is a journey that we all are on. And the question that we need to be able to answer before we go any further is not are we there yet, but are we willing to try to get there? Are we willing to try to get there? Are we willing to say to God, God, I've not been giving you my best. I've definitely not been giving you my first. But this morning, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to have you take me there on this journey. And that's a question that only each and every single one of you individually can answer. Because God deserves and expects our very best. And He deserves and expects our first. You see here in Jericho, he makes it pretty clear. 
Joshua chapter 6, verse 17, he says this. He tells them what they're going to do. They're going to walk around the wall. They're going to shout. And we know that the wall falls. But in verse 17, he says, The city and all that is in it, all that is in it, everything that is in it, are to be devoted to the Lord. He goes on and says, Only Rahab and the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. Verse 18. Verse 18, he says this, But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. Verse 19, all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into the treasury. Verse 24, it says, Then, after the walls fell, they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. You see, none of that makes sense unless we understand that Jericho was the first city on the Israelites' journey to the promised land. And because God deserves and expects the first and the very best, he told Joshua and the Israelite leaders everything in Jericho. He goes into the detail of man, woman, child, and animal is to be done away with. You are to get those devoted things and put them into the house of the Lord. Everything in Jericho, the first city in this journey, belongs to me. I don't know about you, but if I was an Israelite, I'd be looking at all of that stuff and I'd be thinking to myself, but God, hold on a second. I mean, there there are a lot of good pigs and, well, they wouldn't eat pig, but there's a lot of good cows. There's a lot of good animals. God, there are a lot of livestock here that we could use for food along the journey. I mean, God, look at all of these nice robes. I would look really good in one of those robes, God. Can't I just take one? What about all this money, God? All this gold and silver and bronze and iron? God, this would be so good for us because I know there are other cities that we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to probably buy some supplies. And God, I saw a bunch of big men over there. Jericho grows them big. God, they could be like our servants and maybe even some of them fight for us. God, can't we just keep a little bit of this to ourselves? He said, that's my mindset. And that's some of our mindset in this room. We get into the negotiation when it comes to our giving to God. We justify it. God, I've got all these bills. I mean, my kids, they need cable. Every one of them needs that iPhone 6, God, because at ball practice, we have to get in touch with each other. You know, I think about my dad's era. I didn't even know where they were. Hopefully, they just showed up for dinner. Surely, God, we need all of this stuff. God, I need this. You know, and you fill in the blank. God, come on, right? And we justify it with him. And God is such a gracious gentleman that he doesn't actually just strike us dead when that's probably what he needs to do. (laughs) 
God said to these Israelites, no. He says, you give me the first, and I'll show you that you can have the rest. The rest of what? God, we just destroyed everything like we burn it down. We killed the men, the women, and children, and all of the livestock, and we've taken all the gold, and we've put it into your house. God, there's nothing left. You see, this is where it requires faith to give your best and to give your first. In your book, hopefully that you all have picked up right out here because some generous person at our church said, this book is worth it. I will purchase 500 of them. I want every family to have a blessed life book. Robert Morris says this in the blessed life book. He says this, it always requires faith to give the first. It always requires faith to give the first. That tithe check that many of you write, listen, I know I'm there sometimes too and I forget or my wife forgets and we give the third or second or fourth. There's no rhyme or reason. We just give it. But what this book and what God has been saying to me over the last little while is, Scott, I want your first. I deserve it and I expect it. But God, what if I don't have enough left over? Scott, you don't trust me with the rest? Scott, you don't trust me to come through for you? Scott, have you ever gone without? No, we live in a land of plenty. But I will tell you, as God and the Holy Spirit continues to speak to you, There's going to be a choice that we have to make. Are we willing to get there on our journey? Do I give you, God, what you expect and what you deserve? God's saying, give me your first. And I'll take care of the rest. That's what he said to the Israelites with Jericho. You give me this city, and I'll show you the rest of the way. You know the story, it always is one person. There's a guy by the name of Achan, much like probably many of us. He saw the plunder and he said, I got to keep some of this for myself. He goes and the nation of Israel falls at the little city of Ai, a small little city, nothing compared to Jericho, because this guy Achan just messed it all up for the Israelites. We're not going into that this morning, but I want you to see something. When the Israelites gave God the first, he held true to his word, and he gave the Israelites the rest. In chapter 8, just skipping over to chapter 8, they come to the city of Ai. And in chapter 8, verse 1, it says this. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. And do not be discouraged. That's something that you need to hear this morning. Because I promise you, in this testing of your faith, when it comes to your giving and your generosity, if you give God your first and your best, there are going to be moments in your life where you're scared to death. God, how am I going to pay for? And you fill in the blank. But he says to Joshua, right after they gave him the entire city of Jericho, he said, Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not, do not, Joshua, be discouraged. And he goes on in chapter 8, and he says this, take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. 
For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Look at verse 2. He says, you shall do to Ai and its kings as you did to Jericho and its kings. And then he says, except, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for who? For yourself. He says, you can carry everything off. And because you gave me your first and you gave me your best in the city of Jericho, you can have all of this and you can keep it for yourself. That's exactly what Joshua, the Israelites did. You can go on down to verse 27. It says, but Israel did carry off for themselves the livestock and plunder of the city as the Lord had instructed Joshua. And so I think this morning what we do is we have just a test before us. Are we willing to allow God to get us to this place on the journey? Because I know for a fact that our finances is one of the greatest hindrances in this Christian journey that many of us will ever be on. Do we believe God to be true in His Word? The question, am I willing to allow God to get me to this place? Because we know the answer. We know that He expects and He deserves our very best. You see, He set the example for us, church. You see, God set the example for us when He gave His Son, Jesus, to us as a Savior of the world. You see, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, I'd love for you to see this on the screen. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, God demonstrates for us His love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so some of you in this room today, You may never have said, Jesus, I need a Savior. Jesus, I love you. Some of us have never said that before. Some of us in this room, we're planning, we're not even planning on it. What we've got to understand is that God gave us His very best long before He ever knew. He actually knew, but long before we ever deserved it. Some of us have abused it. We've misused it. We've mistreated His gift. But He was willing to give us His best anyway. So I think that there's just four groups of us here today in this room. I think there's four. You may think that there's many. You may think there's less. I see it this way. I see that there are some Christ followers in this room And you get it. Like you are a very generous person. You've been giving God your best. You've been giving Him your first. And God bless you. You know what the blessed life is all about. I think there's another group of people in here. And I think that you love Jesus. I think that you love Jesus. I think that you love Jesus. But you... When you answer the question, 
Am I willing to get to this place on the journey? Your answer is no. I would just have to ask you probably privately, what, what Jesus are you following? Like, like what scriptures are you reading that you have accepted his best? Like you have accepted God's best, but, but you're not willing to give him your best. It just doesn't make sense. I think there's a third group of people in this room and you love Jesus. And I believe that's where most of us may be today is that we truly do do love Jesus. Like we know that he died for our sins and he is our savior and we love him. And we truly at heart, we want to give him our first because we recognize how wretched we are. We recognize that he died for us while I was still a nasty sinner. Like we realize that. But just because of circumstances in our life and life is difficult and this Christian life is actually harder than the preacher made it out to be when I said yes to him. And you're at a place where you love Jesus, but you're not giving him your best, but you're willing. I love that. And God knows that. And that's why I say God is gracious. His timing is perfect. He is a gentleman. And He is here just waiting for you to get to that place on the journey that you're able to give Him your first and very best. Can I tell you that the blessed life is right around the corner for those of you who with hearts like that. It's right there. But then I believe there's a fourth group. I believe there's a group of people here today and you're here and you've just never made the first step in your journey. Like you have never taken a step to fall in love with Jesus. I think you've actually taken it. You just don't realize it yet because you're here in his presence worshiping Jesus with us. And can I tell you, you cannot sell out with this life And you will never be willing to give anyone your best until you give your life over to Jesus Christ. You see, that's the first step in the journey. Oh, and it's a difficult one because he desires and he expects and he deserves not only the very best of your finances, but he expects and deserves the very best of everything that you have. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, if you would, in closing, would you just stand with me? Would you just stand? Because I can't wait to see what happens when a large group of people, when we get it, and when we understand what God expects from us. And not only do we understand it, but we actually apply it and we start becoming the most generous people that this community has ever seen. I can't wait for that day when no need in this community goes unreached because of the generosity that flows out of this place. But I happen to believe today there's somebody here and you may not even know why you're here hearing about the church, they always talk about my money. Now I want to talk to you about something greater than that. 
And that's this man they call Jesus. So I'm just going to ask you right now, is there somebody here today who needs to take that first step? You need to take that first step and you don't know what the second step looks like. And you, pastor, have already scared me to death because you said it's a difficult life. That's why we're here to walk alongside you in this journey. You see, this doesn't have to do with your money. This has to do, as Lori said earlier, with your heart. Is there anybody here today that would say, Scott, I got to take the first step and I got to give Jesus my life. And you say that he died for me, that he forgives me of all that I've done, that God loves me so much that Jesus died for me. Yeah. You see, that's the gospel message and that's the good news. Our heads are open. Our eyes are open. Our heads are up. We're all standing here. The invitation is yours. Is there anybody here today that would say, Scott, I need to give my life to Jesus so I can start this journey that you talk about? Would you just raise a hand? Again, we're looking around. Just raise a hand. Scott, I need Jesus as my Savior. This may be the most difficult thing that you do. If that's you, would you just raise it high? For the rest of us in here today who walk with Jesus, this that we're getting ready to sing is an anthem and a cry to us Christ followers. Every day of your life, we are going to have to walk and live with an understanding that Jesus Christ deserves every part of our life. And so today, as we close this worship service of Jesus, I want this to be your heart's cry. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. And God, I'm thankful that you gave us your very best. God, I cannot wait to see what you do with the rest of our lives. God, thank you for being the great and perfect example of generosity. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.